Welcome to the Upstack Podcast, an ever-evolving conversation on all things digital infrastructure, giving tech leaders food for thought as they push to stay ahead of the technology curve. I'm Alex Cole, and with my co-host and colleague, Greg Moss, we invite you to join us as we talk candidly about the latest technology infrastructure topics. Stay with us. Greg Moss, like I, it's always good to see you. I think I'm contractually obligated to say that when we when we get together. Obligated? I thought we were friends. We we're very we we are friends. We're we're not only podcast co-hosts. We are and colleagues. We're we're very much friends. But I find myself anytime I have a question about life, professional world, technology, I'm always coming to you. And I've got a lot of questions about the cloud of all things. I know the cloud's been all around us for for decades seemingly, but it's still at the forefront of, of my mind, I'm sure, of the mind of, of many other people. And and I, I also find myself just wishing if this could be a, a podcast. Could this be an episode of our podcast? And wouldn't you know it, it is. Here we are. So let's formally welcome everyone back to another episode of the Upstack Podcast. I read, courtesy of our friends at Gartner, one of the recent forecasts, that spending on public cloud, public cloud services is expected to grow by nearly 22% this year. That equates to $600 billion in spend. How much? $600 billion. But in the same breath, the Wall Street Journal reported last year that almost two-thirds of technology leaders are not seeing significant return on their investment in the cloud. And therefore... They're looking for more flexibility. So spend continues to increase, yet two out of every three technology leader is not seeing an ROI. I mean, it makes a ton of sense to me because this is exactly what we've been seeing for years in the industry. Uh, one of our biggest recommendations is hybridization. And that really revolves around a culmination of where you put your application stacks to make sure that you're both economically and technically sound. I think, you know, another really important thing is how procurement and technology speak, right? I think there's a lot, you know, today in the ever-changing landscape of technology, you know, how the the groups within the organization communicate is critical to their success. And um, you don't see a lot of that. And the larger companies that have large procurement departments and large tech groups tend to not communicate as well. Um, but there's instances that you see them commu- communicate great and the output and and, and the the outcomes are phenomenal. Companies will have success if they leverage the full capability of their procurement department, if they're lucky enough to have such a department. Greg, we need an expert. You're an expert. <laughs> I, I think I think we need an expert. Uh, and we have one. Our guest today, wouldn't you know, is an IT procurement specialist and expert in cloud, in cloud governance more specifically. So everybody join Greg and I in welcoming Shunit Kaney, to the podcast. Shunit, thank you very much for being here. Uh, allow me to, to talk a bit about you before we dive into the, the topic at hand. Shunit, you're the head of global IT procurement for Tiba Pharmaceuticals. You're also the co-founder of Technology Procurement Israel. So again, thank you very much for being here. For Tiba, you managed uh, cloud and data center procurement at Amdocs, Checkpoint Software Technologies, as well as Random random logic. I would say based on that CV alone, you are more more than qualified to join us on the Upstack podcast today. So thank you. Thank you again for being here. So I had such an intro. I'm really uh, you know excited to share some of what I'm encountering. 
you stayed with us through the intro and for that you're our absolute hero but we do we do have questions i'd really like to get a sense just to start things off of your experience in in cloud and cloud procurement more specifically you know what what are the trends that you're seeing in the adoption of cloud I think uh, when I started uh, looking at cloud procurement, I think it was 2016, like ages ago in terms of technology. Then uh, the, the what we were looking was more trying to compare apples to apples, which is kind of impossible uh, when you're talking cloud to data center and uh, trying to figure out the way that procurement looks at things, how much a server costs, a VM, a VM cost. Yeah. It's, it didn't take me too long to understand I'm probably on the wrong track because I spent hours and got to no conclusions at all. Not to say the tears that I shed on, on you know, the frustration of trying to get into some kind of working model. So I think we've way past that, that most organizations are not expecting to see an apple to apple, apples to apples uh, comparison. They, I mean, it's already understood that the cloud has value beyond pricing, but you just touched on this exact point. What is the value? Is it worth it? So we have the, we had this uh, cloud first trend, which was not really working for, <laughs> for most organizations, I think, that were not born to the cloud. So if you are born to the cloud organization, this is one thing. But unless you are born to the cloud organization, the cloud first really, I mean, the bills were shocking. And I think there was also this concept concept of let's try it first and add governance or monitoring or whatever and understand later. So let's dive into those deep waters first. Some drowned, some just wasted a lot of money. And, you know, understanding and most of the bigger companies, I mean, all companies, you know, they are, um, they really want to keep being profitable that need, had to stop for a second and reevaluate if cloud first is the right policy for them. And it would be no for most of the existing and, and let's say uh, legacy agreements. Uh, comp- companies, while again, born to the cloud, it's something completely different. And if we'll have the time and you like, we can talk about the born to the cloud. But for for enterprise and legacy uh, companies, definitely they had to roll back for a second and at least start to discuss a governance uh, mechanism. I hear cloud first. It's it's well, everyone's in the cloud. We need to be in the cloud, whether it makes sense for the business or not. It's kind of the, Greg, I'm hearing hype cycle, your voice saying hype cycle in the back of my my head as it relates to uh, more recently emerging technologies like AI, which I'm sure we'll touch on deeper mm-hmm. into this this episode. But I think that sets the stage beautifully, Shuni. And, and actually, could, can we go there? Can we talk a bit about born to the cloud? Sure. Wow. Now, now you got me going, really. Honestly, so I think the amazing part of board to the cloud and the very risky part for companies like the company that, like Amdocs that I worked for, is that software companies that has been for a while, existing for a while, they had the advantage of their size. Huge organizations financed 
they can really, you know, uh, purchase the servers, the, the, the resources, whatever they need to start and develop a new software, a new uh, or additional, uh, you know, uh, capabilities, everything. And it really required a lot of resources, really. And you can, it, there wasn't at that stage, like I, I would say five, 10 years ago, mostly 10 years ago, you, unless you had the resources, you couldn't really start going. Now the cloud changed all this. So when you were born to the cloud, you have an idea. You can really start going and running with your idea, trying it out with very, very little uh, financing and resources, very little. So the risk to the big companies, by the way, and we see today, there are a lot of like, uh, you know, stars coming from time to time. Wow, this is like a great app. And they're cutting off like the traditional ones, which I think is pretty much awesome, but it's risky to be like, uh, you know, one of those legacy companies, they had to adapt and be agile as well. So companies that are born to the cloud are really, from a financial perspective, it made sense to be on the cloud. It made sense to see how it goes before you uh, now invest in all sorts of servers and hardware and people and everything. So it ma- the, the option to be very, very lean, this is what the cloud allowed them to be. And this is why we see now so many solutions and very niche solutions that maybe in the past we would we would see the biggest companies with like many products. And now we see more of niche solutions going from uh, different vendors and some of them are not that stable when they go out to market. This is also an issue, but still, you know, this is what the cloud allowed. Now, as a company, when 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 you start a product on the cloud, born to the cloud, and you scale up because you're successful, then at some point you need to really reevaluate the architecture and everything because then you understand. I mean, it's not it doesn't necessarily make sense anymore to run on the cloud because wow. this agility, flexibility, is not something that you need now. Now you need, you know, to be cost efficient. You need to have some reliability, right? In your resources, you have to have, I mean, the in-house does ha- have its own advantages. We can, I mean, everybody laughs cloud there. It has, it is the advantages, but in-house has it as well. It's different parts. So I think this is where we see born to the cloud companies. I, I mean, move to hybrid uh, solutions and di- data centers just because if we talk about it, you know, the way that uh, the cloud vendors selling to us, they're selling basically the reserved instance. What is the reserved instance? It's my own server. So what's the point in having it on cloud? If I'm already committed, then I'm not really agile. I'm not really scalable because I already committed. So at this point, when you get to this stage, then you really need to do the math again. Companies born to the cloud even those companies still can realize significant value in adopting a hybrid approach as you touched on. Totally. Wow. No no one is safe. No one is safe. It's more difficult for them. Okay. It's more difficult for them, of course, because the architecture, you have to rethink a lot of things, right? It's not straightforward at all. Mm -hmm. Like going to the, migrating to the cloud is not straightforward either. But still, you know, if, I mean, they're now uh, maybe, you know, I did an IPO, now they're public, now they have a state, uh, you know, 
stockholders and they need to deliver the profit. It's every dollar starts to count. So whether they have that expertise in-house or not, or they can rely on a third party to help architect that that hybrid solution. There's there's options out there. Greg, sorry, you were saying. No, I, I mean, Shuni, you brought up some really great points. I, you know, I want to challenge you because I feel that once a company has the momentum, right, and they start to put workloads in the cloud, um, I've noticed that all these widgets and all these little special things that these clouds offer, uh, it becomes very difficult to to move or stop or pause. You know, how do you, you know, this is where to me procurement comes in with some really great advice. Uh, how do you guys work together? How do you guys coalesce? How do you guys um, decide? Does procurement play a role in that? Procurement has to, we need to ask the questions. Okay, so I don't think our role is to make tech, technical decisions. Just, you know, not what, not our specialty. It's not what we do. But yes, ask the, ask the questions, challenge all sorts of decisions, or just give more options. Open up, you know, the, the, the thought of, okay, so, you know, I, I had a conversation on another topic completely uh, today. Somebody told me, but we always do it this way. Now, when I hear this, you know, sentence, it's always done this way. This is where I take a step back. I said, okay, but is it right for now? For the situation, I don't really care what we've done for ages, but is it right for now? So a lot of, you know, a lot of times you, you fall in love with the process that you implemented, right? And I see it a lot if, on cloud, off cloud, but, you know, somebody had a project, they did it. And it was, it's working for five, seven years and they're in love with it because they, it was so successful. It's part of, you know, it's in their CV because they're so proud of it and rightly so, but time has, you know, passed and now we need to reevaluate. So this is the points where I challenge a bit, you know, I ask the question and I think, you know, a good, really, really good human person is the one that knows the questions to ask. We don't come with a technical solution. It's not our job. It's not our ass on the line either, you know? If there's kind of, yeah, honestly. But is it your job to challenge them economically, right? So if, you, if, 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 if. It's... Not only, by the way, but yes, economically, risk wise. I mean, when you talk about all those super cool cloud solutions for companies like Teva, that, you know, a pharma company, high level of privacy that is required to, you know, under the GDPR laws and everything. So risks, even though if, even if they are not uh, economical or commercial, this, it's, it's a risk. So we are pretty much those people who would point out the risk or ask the question, did we look at that? It is, do you see that as the greatest value that procurement provides in this procurement and technology partnership? Asking the hard questions. Uh, you mentioned the budget responsibility isn't yours per se. It's, you're, you're not owning the budget, but you're making sure that the ask that's being made on behalf of the business is fully fully vetted. So I'm just, my mind goes to what, what is the value of, of having this procurement resource in the organization? So this is one of them. And the other one is the, the high, you know, the bird's eye uh, kind of point of view. So the option and the ability to consolidate because, I mean, especially enterprises are very, very, very segmented, very segmented. So this is a function, the procurement is a function that really sees everything. 
and has the opportunity then to consolidate. And by the way, you know, when we are talking about cloud agreements, it's super important. You cannot be cost efficient without consolidation, without looking at the entire usage of the company. What does it mean? And there's, and here is another point which is very, very difficult to tackle, by the way. In some companies, IT are just a cost unit and the business has their own PL. Now that's now that's harming the potential of having really good, you know, really good agreements, not only agreements, but the, the uh, platforms and things that can run uh, the business much better. Why? Because the budget is segmented in, uh, in different business units. The IT is considered just the cost. So they cannot invest in, you know, in impro improving the, um, the harmonization of the IT. They don't have the funds for it because nobody is looking from that perspective. So strong procurement would do that, would say, hey, I want your attention, business. It's true. This is only your budget. But still, as a company, and this is where, you know, I can use my connections and my relationships with the CPO and CFO, right? With the CFO, I'm sorry. This is, by, by the way, the person I'm annoying. When I'm annoyed and nobody's noticing my annoyance, then I'm going to the CFO and saying, because I know they care about the bottom line. So if I need to get anything moving and it doesn't move, this is the person I want to really, you know, get their attention. From from cost center to value driver. I, I love that. Shunit, in the in the upfront, we're highlighting your credentials and your experience. Uh, I mentioned that you're an expert, obviously, in the cloud, cloud governance specifically. So when it comes to implementation, a company's moving to the cloud or they're cloud first. How often have you found that force corrections are, are needed? Um, and, and what are the guardrails that need to be set beforehand? Because clearly in your role with procurement, you are asking those hard questions, making sure every rock is overturned before a decision is made and a, a bu budget is, is allocated. But you do the thing and, oh, can we iterate? And what, what rule, guardrails, guidance, policies are, are usually put in place? What are best practices there? Yeah. So I would say definitely we need to, even if everything was, it's a perfect world and uh, the company has started the cloud center of excellence before going to the cloud and really everybody, security and uh, IT architecture and procurement and finance were all involved in the process of setting those guardrails. And we can talk about it further if you want, but just for a second. So even if it was implemented, there are changes all the time. So even if me, I'm as a, as a, you know, as a company was perfect, still, you know, the cloud vendors, they are still changing the rules all the time, all the time. They're changing the rules of, you know, reserved instance, saving plan, marketplace. Those rules are changing all the time. The reInvent just closed up last week. Unfortunately, I wasn't there, but I, I you know, there's there are thousands of announcements in one week, thousands of announcements. Each of those announcements has the potential to be a game changer financially. So you really need to pay attention because it's just, it's moving all the time. How do you, that's a really good point. There's, there's, there's hundreds of new products hitting the market uh, 
you know, every month? And how do you like, how do you weed your way through all of that to determine what has value, what doesn't? Because you could probably spend 40 hours a week just doing that, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm very, I'm looking at my narrow point of view. I'm looking at what is changed in the marketplace, reserved and since saving plan, commercial plans, basically. Uh, and I need to trust, you know, the technical, uh, the IT leads that they will look at, you know, whatever is new in their domain. It's very, very also important to understand what is the type of your company. Okay, so Teva is a legacy company. It's a company that exists for 120 years or 120 years. So some of the IT is 50 years old, no joking. I mean, it's like, you know, um, legacy, legacy, legacy. And you need to understand also the pace that your company is going at. And there's no point in even trying to push things like that because those companies are not able to keep up with this pace. So it's very, very dependent on what's the type of the company and the agility of the and, and the needs also, right? Because Teva is a manufacturing company. It's not, not everything is very uh, relevant or really would make a huge difference. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, that's why I encourage, by the way, I encourage to go to those, to these summits and everything and get everything in one, because it's like you said, you can drown in them. You can absolutely drown. And I think partners are really, really important. So third parties and uh, partners that would really help you to go through all the new data. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, I see a lot of value coming out of third parties uh, when it relates to this, because if they're spending their time doing the research and they're kind of bringing you only the cream of the crop, right? There's definitely value in that time, time saving. Yeah, and, and, and if you have a strong partnership and, and trust, then I would trust you as my partner to bring me the information that is really re relevant to me. So Shunit, I know you have both experience in cloud and data center, and this is one of my favorite topics because you know I'm a big advocate of hybrid, and you having both the cloud and data center experience on the procurement side, you know I see value in both, right? And you know I'm curious to hear from you in industry how much you hear of companies taking workloads out of the cloud these days back into traditional data center, not entirely, right, but partially, uh, and how many companies are still trying to go pure cloud. I think there's it's it's like a tug war, you know. We always hear about back and forth, and 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 the cloud vendors are really really trying to fight the data centers. So they come up also all the time with new ideas. And if you take, for example, Oracle, right? So they have created this way to incentivize their customers to go on into the Oracle cloud, which is. Like doesn't make any sense, but they they still, you know, had thought a lot of time. They, they really thought it out, and they found a way to incentivize some of their uh, of their customers, and they do it. So I think it's changing all the time. So we see, uh, you know, the cost of data storage basically that this is an issue that it's it's. Uh, I see a lot of it on still remaining or moving back to data centers because it needs to be thought out very, very well if you're moving to the cloud, both on, you know, the value 
the, the volume of the data, but also the data transfer, all the rates, everything that is included because nobody's, uh, nobody's talking about it. Yes, do you want to see the... Not, so, not always. Right. Not always. Not always. We have to really be... Re and really look at it uh, closely. However, on the other hand, I can tell you, a very, very traditional use case would be the tapes, right? You remember that the they still exist. This is like the most, I mean, obvious uh, go-to cloud uh, use case, really, because whoever ever tried to, uh, you know, to extract the data from a tape knows it would take you three days and usually would be unsuccessful for hundred, at least not the hundred percent of it and sometimes fail completely. So this is like a use case that is the same. It's a no brainer. Go to the cloud, please. Really, honestly, please. But when you have, when you have those people in the companies, 20 years, they do, you know, the same, they do the storage and everything. They don't want to let go of the breaches of habit, breaches of habit. Yeah. <laughs> so. You know, so not everything storage definitely belongs on on uh, on prem on data centers. Uh, I think it's really we need to look everything. Not you know, you can't really say everything cloud is bad or too expensive or everything cloud is awesome. No, somewhere in between, and it's really where where is your company is going? What's the what's your ability to self sustain your data centers because this is also an issue. So if you are out outsourcing things, then you need to really think about it. Where it's best outsourced. No, always yeah. cloud, by the way, again. It the, cl the cloud is not always the answer. You, you know, you touched, you touched on a, some really, you crystallized some, some key reasons a company might consider a move out of the cloud. I'm curious from a just general trend standpoint, is your team, are you receiving more requests internally to migrate from the cloud? Are you seeing more broadly in your other work, uh, companies looking to, to move out and maybe land on a more hybrid approach? I think what I see the most is the realization that it costs more. Basically, why does it cost more? Because the minute you try to migrate from the data center to the cloud, it takes you a long, long time. If at all, you you terminate the data center usage at all. So usually you keep the data center because it takes time, because you are, because not all use cases are, you know, uh, has value on the cloud, but then you are, you're staying with the data center, uh, data center infrastructure and the cloud. So at this point, I think when, when they, when, I think it takes about two, three years at least for companies to realize they are not saving any money <laughs> and then they start to two to three years. Two evaluate. to three years. What? Yes, Alex. Two to three years. Sticker shock. Yep. You agree with me, right, Greg? This is the time you take. Absolutely, you hit the nail right on the head, Shani. Yeah. I shouldn't be surprised. I should. Wow. Two to three years. Okay. You got to stop scoring your pictures in Google Photos, Alex. The thought that you're going to find out in a couple of years, your, the cost is going to go up. What, the digital lives of my children. Uh, we've we've lasted this long without talking about AI. I think it, it's only time. It's only time because it's it's in the headlines every day within industry and more more broadly. She need. I have to imagine AI is coming up in in these cloud conversations again yeah. internally, but more broadly as well. I mean, we we see it too. We got to be in the cloud. 
let's go to the cloud. It's kind of, we got to be, we need to adopt AI just like in the past or even currently people, we have to be in the cloud. It's, it's the, the Greg Moss hype cycle, the rush. You've got to be on to the latest thing. Does it make sense for your business? So where you dig in, I want to just add to Alex's thought around AI. So you have some context and I'm very, very curious to hear what you have to say about this. You know, these cloud companies, let's just call it the big three, right? The AWS, GCP, and Azure are notorious yeah. for giving out all these wonderful free credits, right? It's not free, right? It comes back at some point. And this is how they get you on board. And then their goal as an organization is to grow that revenue. And how do you grow that revenue, right? When something's steady state, something cool like AI, right? So I'm assuming there's a... Uh, they're trying to propose a value for this new these new AI functions, right? For organizations, large language yeah. models, what it be. How is procurement uh, interpreting this, right? And is it something that's justified, not justified? I want to say something before we talk about AI because you mentioned something that is super important in this: the increase of ARR. This is like the name of the game, right? Uh, not only for cloud vendors, also for SaaS vendors, which are kind of cloud, but not software companies are now SaaS. And they want to increase the ARR, ARR. This is the important thing. This is why they, we are losing companies like Teva and others are losing the agility that we are supposed to have because they are now incentivizing us into commitment where, guess what I lost? I lost my agility, the scalability. I lost all of this. So it's a problem. And worse than that or better than that or moreover, what we are seeing right now, after especially the AWS reInvent that was announced about the marketplace, and we can see it also as a trend for, I think, five, four, four or five years, the marketplace is getting bigger and bigger. What does it mean, actually? It means that the software resellers are going to lose their grip. They are losing their grip slowly but surely. Everything is moving to the old marketplace. They incentivize us to go on the marketplace in different ways, which, by the way, there is also kind of, I could say I'm agnostic to it. What do I care? I get the software. I don't care. And if I get benefits from the cloud vendor, even better. But it's like you said, it's like you're going into uh, Hansel and Gretel. What do you have it in English? Hansel and Gretel, that's it. Hansel and Gretel, yeah. Right. Nailed it. Okay. Uh, into into the, the, the candy house and everything is there. Everything is there. Want to fatten you up. Let's fatten you up. Exactly. And it's now, you asked before regarding, you know, where where's procurement there and the governance and the guardrails. So marketplace is definitely, definitely a place that we want to put the guardrails. But even for us, you know, it's very enticing. So this is like, I moved from AI. I'm going to back to AI just because you said about the, you know, great. No, it's ARR and it, it's it's one of those topics that I'm really worked up about about the whole thing. I'm still thinking, you know, how what's the trend going to look like for resellers? I don't know. It's margin. That's that's margin, right? So if they remove the resellers or the middleman, it allows them to Yeah, yeah, yeah. justify things. Yeah, I agree. Yes. Yes, and what does it mean for us, as companies, as procurement? I mean, where's now the added value of those resellers? If they have no added value, they would be wiped out. 
it's interesting conversation. But regarding AI, I think that there was a hype. I think now it's getting into real value. And I'm sorry if I'm, you know, bursting your bubble, Greg. Um, I, th- I, I think the tools that I see now, and it's not like what I've seen a few months ago, it's getting into the domain of real value in the productivity of, a, of, of, a, of an employee. And I said, but, I said, but there is this view. I, I'm not really part of, you know, I don't subscribe to this point of view, by the way, but it's a financial thing. People that are CFOs, finance people, they say, why should I pay 100K for this AI tool, which is really, really, really cool. I can, you know, just increase headcount for less money. They will do the job manually. And this is something that will, I think this is at this stage is kind of a barrier for a lot of uh, legacy organizations that do this, you know, uh, breakdown or analysis or it to, to get into those uh, better productivity tools. But I do see real value in, in, the, in the tools that are coming out now. I don't think they're ready yet fully. I think it's still like it, it would take a few months to a year or so, but their implementation is, will go wider and wider because it's like, I'm sorry to say, really, I hope I'm not insulting you, Greg, because I love you. You know, I love you. You couldn't insult me if you wanted to. Please, Shunit, like proceed. Please proceed. <laughs> it's in a way when you are moving from the Nokia to the smartphone. I'm sorry. But things are at your fingertips in a way that they weren't there before. Now, do you pay more for the, uh, you know, for the phone itself and for the a lot of the services? You pay more, but you get so much more. And I don't think we're there yet, but that's where the trend is going. And I think a year maybe. So, so I'm all about innovation. I mean, I'm super excited about what AI is bringing to the market. I just want to make sure people out there know that it's shiny, it's new, it's cool, it's expensive. And just make sure that if you're going to implement it into a business model, that there's it's cost justified, right? There's a lot of people putting in the cool things, not realizing or even knowing where that revenue is going to come to support that cost model. So again, just something. Now I, now I will, now I will, uh, you know, strengthen your point. I will, uh, now I'll be on your side. And I can tell you that a lot of the cool tools are being like left behind, like the toy of yesterday's toy. You know, you got me my Buzz Lightyear or whatever. I played with it and now I'm bored with it. And it happens. I see it all the time, you know, because it's really cool. But if you're not, if it's not, hey, I want this one, I want this one. And everything is, no, you need to, you know, have a, have a, make a decision what really brings the value. And I agree with you on this point that some of those cool, cool tools, are not being implemented the whole way through. And then if you go only halfway, basically you just wasted money. You bought the tool, you halfway implemented it. You're not really enjoying it or not the entire company. Half the company works with this tool and then another quarter works with this tool and there's no, you know, it doesn't talk to each other. So this is an issue that, uh, and especially this at young in young companies, we see, you know, proliferation of tools that is like, what's going on? Yeah. Good point. 
there's application for AI. It's not for every industry. We see clients who benefit significantly from uh, technologies like conversational AI, broader generative AI. It's it's coming. And, and Shanit, I would agree. Uh, I love that the, the Nokia to the to the smartphone. That that cycle, talk about cycle, is going to only spin faster, and you'll see more businesses be able to benefit from democratization of of AI. But we'll see. Greg's got plenty of other bubbles. We'll we'll work on those. Maybe not in this episode, but uh, but another one episode. bubble an episode, Alex. Wait, let's back to the cloud. Let's let's well, brother. I want to flip things. We've talked about companies moving from the cloud, maybe establishing a, a hybrid solution because it, it makes sense strategically and economically for the business. Um, let's talk about moving to the cloud, navigating to the cloud. Do most companies, Shuni, do they have the expertise needed in-house to navigate and manage that move? Most companies, I think, are uh, supported by third parties. I don't think most companies are doing it on, on their own. I can tell you that it's they don't even have you know the the enough knowledge to really start a a, a, a good and supportive cloud center of excellent at uh, excellence at first so and the problem is really like i said earlier that most companies they want to try it out before anything because they want to if it's if it makes sense then we'll bring in all the governance around it no then the you know the then it's already out of your hands. You have a few accounts, you start playing around with it, and the governance uh, mechanism it's, is not there because you're just, you know, tiny, teeny, just the small thing. The small thing is increasing into, you know, huge amounts. And so, hey, hey, how what happened here? So I think, no, uh, at the beginning of any adopt, cloud adoption, most companies will not have uh, the resources internally. If they are smart, they will understand that they are that they lack the resources. They will not get into analysis paralysis mode, and they would take a third party to support them. And I really, you know, I encourage IT teams all the time to stop the analysis at a, at a certain point. Start, you know, doing something to contain everything. Because, oh, no, maybe this vendor, maybe this one, maybe this platform, maybe this platform. They can go on for two years, yeah? Especially in companies that are large companies, enterprises. Everybody has, whoa, but we're taking it for long term. So let's think about it. While you're thinking about it, the doors just keep, you know. And the, and the technology is changing. And the technology right. right. Oh, yeah. Really. Do, do yes. larger enterprises have the expertise? I know earlier stage companies, smaller, you know, everyone's wearing multiple hats, but even... Tech companies has the expertise. Right. But more broad, non-tech, every company, but non-tech enterprises, prob probably not. Rarely. Rarely. You know who are very tech, non-tech? It's banks. Finan the finance world is very, very, very tech-oriented, even though it's like not their business. Oh, they are really, they are on top of it completely. They are. Yes. Yeah. But when they started by the way, they weren't. And that's the that's the that thing. And even if you are a tech company, by the way, and the issue with I'm going back to the topic of back to a uh, born to the cloud, the governance is not there. So at some point they will wake up and and you know, then they kind of 
they have to herd everything in and it's very, very difficult. Greg, I know you have a question about governance. It's the perfect segue. So that, thank you, Alex. I appreciate that. Um, you know, governance seems to be really important and I agree with you, Shane. It's, it's critical. Um, is it just as critical for smaller companies and what kind of advice could you give to the small to mid-sized company that doesn't have the luxury of having procurement teams on their side? Okay. So first, yeah, it's important. I mean, it's like uh, now became something that is very familiar, you know, just first you have to have visibility, monitoring, and optimization. And you have to have it at any, you know, even if you have a $100 account, but you are wasting 50 then, you know, it's, it's something, it's $50 that you could have earned, could have been a profit. So I think at, at any, and this is a big realization that from the get-go, you need to have those mechanism, mechanisms in place. And I think everybody talks about pinups all the time, cost saving, and really this is not the only issue. I mean, governance is a Big word, I, I, it's, I'm specifically not saying FinOps. I'm specifically saying governance because it's so much more than that. So if you have a, an account that is violating privacy in some way, you are risking the company in a big way. So there are so many facets to those governance. I think the team that sets you know, the, the guardrails of the governance should include finance partners, procurement, and of course, IT, security architectures, you know, this is the cloud center of excellence. Definitely. If you don't, if you don't have it in-house, third party, yeah. But I mean, you know, closing your eyes does not eliminate the problem. I agree. And I, I've seen a lot of uh, failure to uh, even just organize and control spend within groups. I know companies that have 40 or 50 people within the organization order ordering off of cloud accounts, right? So just kind of oh. being able to control that spider web in itself has value. 40, 50 is not, a, I, 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 I've seen much more. We have templates and automated self-service ways to start an account, to buy on marketplace and in a way that it's secure because you have set the parameters, then it's, I mean, it's like a win-win. Then for 80% of the cases, you would be covered. You would know that, you know, it's uh, monitored well. It's structured well. It's within the way that you uh, secure your company. And of course, from pro a procurement perspective, the spend is also monitored and budgeted. And, you know, we can, we take a look at it, we trace it. And then for the 20%, then it's a bit of manual work, but I think having 20% manual work rather than, uh, I can't handle it, it's too much, is much better. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, for the record, everybody, I'm so excited to go home tonight and tell my family we're establishing our own cloud center of excellence. <laughs> Particularly my, my eldest daughter, Dylan, who keeps recording 10 minute, I don't know, TikTok videos on my iPad. We got to stop doing that, causing constraints. Uh, Shunit, before we let you go, we must learn more about technology procurement Israel. I know we talked a bit about it in our, our pre-call, and this is something that we want more people to know about. Well, thank you for asking me. <laughs> it's, uh, 
it's my baby, you know. So uh, I co-founded it, uh, the, the community about almost two years ago. And I, I founded the community because as a procurement person that is really, you know, a tech person in a way, right? So technology procurement and into the cloud, I found that anything procurement is so boring for me. It's like everything is supply chain. Everything is like heavy and nothing to do with what I do. Now, when I wanted to learn about cloud, then everything is too techy for me because I understand, I understand the principles, but I'm not, I'm not an IT person. So I found myself that it's, it's not, I'm not here and I'm not there. And I have so many, uh, and there are so many new products coming all the time. I can't possibly know about everything. And whenever I'm talking to a peer, this is like, really, you know, we can have an hour conversation because it's so in interesting. What are you doing here? What are we doing here? And just, you know, share the knowledge. So starting the community really from this need to have that it's different for tech companies. The procurement is a bit different. We're not looking into supply chain. And really, honestly, I, I couldn't care less about, uh, you know, those... Uh, um, direct uh, procurement, which is all manufacturing. I'm sorry, not there. So really looking at what is interesting for us. And today the uh, community has uh, about 160 members in a WhatsApp group, which is very, very, very dynamic. Who are asking every day, where do you buy this? Did you hear about that? What kind of process did you do for P2P pro procure to pay? Sorry for being boring. Or, or cloud. Yeah, and by the way, we have we had I think three sessions already. We have quarterly meetings, physical quarterly meetings. When I started the first one, I did only half an hour for like mingling and networking, and people came to me. It's not enough. It's just not enough. So now we have like a forty-five minutes at the beginning. Then we do lunch together at the end, which is another hour, and people are just you know getting to know each other and really you know sharing the knowledge. I bring a lot of, uh, you know, information and specialists and people to really educate us. A lot of education about AI as well, by the way, and cloud AI and negotiations, agreements, things that are boring to everybody else, but interesting for us, by the way. <laughs> but this is exactly that. I mean, this is the place to share the knowledge. And uh, I'm Specifically, I, I don't know, I consider myself to be a very creative person. I find creative solutions. Um, I'm a mediator as well. I love to share, you know, all the loopholes that I found in how to make an agreement better or just, you know, to say, watch out from this one or to say, you know, hey, look at the reserved instance. It's changing in, in, half, uh, in half a year. You should take a look at it. So I think this is really, really valuable for people. We have a lot of... Uh, people that are leaders in the procurement and high-tech industries. Many of them are women, which we are so happy uh, to see women in the tech industry. That's okay. great. Remarkable. Yeah. Go ahead, Alex. Yeah, I just see it speaks to the power of community and, and how that can be beneficial in so many different ways. So many different ways. But ju just an anecdote on, uh, you know, uh, women in technology. So whenever I go to an, uh, like the AWF summit and events like that, whenever I go to those events, these are the only times that I go to a, a public event and there is no line for the women's restroom. There is a long, long line for the men's restroom, no line for the women, 
This is like my little revenge, my small, small little revenge. <laughs> Got him. I just love it, uh, Shanit. I mean, I think you're amazing. I think you've brought a lot of value to the industry, to all the companies you've worked for. I think the uh, initiative just speaks wonders, and I'm glad you're doing it. We need more of it across the country, uh, and uh, thank you so much for being here. It was a really special opportunity to speak with you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Shanit. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been another episode of the Upstack Podcast. We will see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Upstack Podcast. Don't forget to like or subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next time.